Welcome to the Two Stewards Show. Real estate has proven to be a time-tested asset class. You kind of know it's a good idea, but why? In this episode, we break down in simple terms as many of the various factors that affect the real estate values over time as possible. To do this, we have come up with a highly sophisticated saying to help you remember all the things that ought to be considered when investing in real estate. Here goes. A house is a thing made of stuff in a place governed by the man, bought with money, printed out of thin air, lived in by people who likely immigrated here. We could go on and we shall. This forms a simple framework for us to begin expounding the multitude of factors that affect the world of real estate investing. That was a mouthful. We do our best to review as many of them as possible. So if you kind of know real estate has always been a good investment vehicle, but you can never put your finger on why exactly, that's probably because you don't have enough fingers for the job. There are so many things to consider from overarching broad concepts to nitty gritty property specific details. Wisely investing in housing requires us to consider all these factors and more. Mark and I have both made many costly mistakes in this space by ignoring one or many of these things that we review in this episode. So if you want to learn more, you can get in contact with Mark over at Joy Hill Property Management, joyhill.ca. He is now helping folks to set up and manage successful short and midterm rental properties. I'm over at Good Stewards, goodstewards.ca. Our services help you source the right investment property, develop quality rental units, and secure amazing tenants. And if you think of something we completely missed in our conversation, just hop on our website at www.twostewards.ca, that's T-W-O-stewards.ca, and let us know. And now, let's get into macro. Hello, folks. Welcome back to the Two Stewards Show. I'm here with Brent. Hello. And, and my name's Mark, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we're the Two Stewards. So today, we want to talk a little bit about macro. Macroeconomics oh, and macro. macro trends. Yeah, exciting. So we, um, we often refer to macro, as we call it. But, uh, you know, we realize that maybe not a lot of people know exactly what we're talking about. Including Brent. <laughs> including me. We don't really know what we're talking about. Don't have um, all the answers. No, we certainly don't. But we uh, we look for them, and we kind of do that in the framework of uh, of of macroeconomics. And because this is real estate, like, and it's it's a financial thing, it it is economics, and that's sort of the framework that we uh, that we look at it. But there's a lot of factors that are not strictly. Yeah. And, and now that everybody's confused, I'm going to attempt to redo the intro. Okay. So, <laughs> Uh, well, okay. You said we're talking about real estate. Why should people invest in real estate? We did a little bit of a series about this a couple episodes ago. Yeah. Um, and now we're all fired up again because I don't think we answered all the questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we answered it from like, we had seven good reasons strictly from an economic, um, more of a narrow view, I think. Right. Yeah. But we, we have a wider view of things. and you well, Okay, know. you said if somebody buys a house as an investment, they might think, okay, yeah, usually I buy a house. You know, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. So my money's not going to just be lost. Somebody always needs to live in a house. So, okay, that's pretty stable. And, uh, you know, I can rent it out so I make some income. 
So that's a good investment. Usually houses go up in value. Yep. And like that seems to be the extent of where people go in terms of depth on analyzing the real estate market as an investment tool. That's well, yeah, that was that was me when we bought our first property. Um, yeah, like houses are generally going up in value. Yeah, you know, right? It's not guaranteed to go up in value, but they have for a long time. They probably are still gonna, and you can make some money off of the rental income. So, um, you know, get it. And then if you do it right, you can get more of them. Yeah, but there's more to it than that. A lot more, yeah. Which is why we still keep recording podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't reached the end yet. (laughs) So, yeah, we, yeah, let's talk about some of the macro trends that we, that we look at and that sort of influence our, uh, our thinking. Yeah. So you have a very profound I broke this down profound in a very here. profound, highly, what do you call this? Complex. Educated? Complex, yeah. yes. So a house, uh-huh. Mark, a house mm-hmm. is a thing made of stuff in a place governed presumably by the man. Mm-hmm. Bought with money, which was printed out of thin air. Lived in by people who let's face it, most likely immigrated here. If we're talking about Canada. Okay, so so what so, you're saying is a house is a thing <sighs> in a place bought with something, money, lived in by people. Yeah. Okay. So I That's use a that. pretty good uh, thesis. I think we can use that as a very simple <laughs> framework to determine. Uh, well, each one of those, we can go into it more depth, yeah, yeah. right? I think those kind of put... Uh, all the different aspects of the macroeconomic picture into like little buckets for us. Yeah. <clears throat> so like Home Depot buckets. Yeah. I don't know. Is that a whole topic? <laughs> we were talking about this the other day, the single use bucket, uh, trend. Oh really? Yeah. Where people just like buy a bucket from Home Depot and then they chuck it out after. Oh, yeah. that's terrible. I yeah. have a garage full of those things. <laughs> See, everybody does. I don't know. They're so cheap and then you just use them. You got all these buckets and they're yeah. so big and they don't stack. Anyways. We'll do an episode on how to unstack uh, Home Depot buckets. Because like once they're stuck together, forget about it. <laughs> Anyways, let's get back to the uh, to macro. <laughs> so a house is a thing. Yeah. Um, so if you think about it, made of stuff, yeah, it's just a thing made of stuff and the stuff is, you know, commodities, like it's two by fours, concrete materials. Mm -hmm. Um, and it has to be made. So we need labor. We need inputs to, um, to actually make it right. And now we have a thing. Right. Um, but yeah, we can dive into, um, the economic realities around, um, the materials that need to go into a house yeah. and the labor that has to go into it, right? So, so it's greater than the sum of its parts, I guess, is one way to look at it, right? Exactly. Because if you add up all the labor yeah. and the materials, it's still, just in, in monetary terms, it's worth more than, like, obviously it's got to be worth more than that or nobody would build them. Yeah. You can sell them for a profit. Um, but... If you if you're looking at real estate, and what we're trying to do with this podcast is kind of give people uh, a, a little bit of a perspective on what to consider when you're looking at real estate as an investment vehicle, right? Yeah. Um, because if you're just looking to buy a house to live in, that's great. Um, maybe disregard this whole episode. But <laughs> if you want to do it as an investment vehicle, you have to look at the long term trends of what's going on. Yeah. behind the scenes, right? Like what is going to affect the value of the house? Because when you're making an investment, you're taking money, you're buying something, 
with the uh, expectation that it will go up over time. Um, and with a house, well, why would you select buying a house? Why wouldn't you buy something else, right? Like a Rolex or a piece of art. Yeah, anything. Um, but so uh, I, we don't necessarily have to follow this really profound framework. But if you look at labor, <laughs> right? Um, labor has certain costs to it. Yep. And you can look at the labor trends. So we don't want to dive deep into like every one of these buckets, but we just no. want to speak to the fact that they exist and that they impact the housing price and value over time. Yeah. Right. So if, if labor market is constrained and it's hard to find employees, it's hard to find, you know, skilled workers who actually, um, can do the jobs of assembling a house, um, in a proficient manner. Right. Um, if those people are in high demand, then they're going to be more expensive. So then it's going to be, um, more expensive to build a house. So then are they going to build as many houses or what's that going to do to the price of houses? Right. And you can project that out over time and say, well, okay, is it, is the labor market, do you think that wages are going up for these types of workers over the next 20 years or down? Right. And then what will that do to the house price? Right. Cause presumably nobody's going to build a house if they have to hire a guy for, you know, 80 bucks an hour, um, and they can only sell it for, you know, maybe 20 bucks an hour, right? Sell his results yeah. of his labor. <laughs> yeah. So I guess if you, if you're buying a house because you think the price is going to go up, well, that house then really for you is a store of value, right? And hopefully something that increases value, but at the very least, all the value that's been input into building the house gets stored there. And so this is kind of an abstract, um, view of, of money. And uh, we've talked about that, you know, as far as like fiat and, and, and that kind of thing goes. But yeah, a house can be a store of value. Yeah. Like hopefully. And, and they have proven to be. Yeah. In the and, long and the term. reason that is, too, is because they're scarce in the sense that it's very difficult to make a house. Yep. It doesn't happen overnight. Right. Nope. Even if you want to do a renovation. Like you just want to do some simple thing. Right. And they're like, hey, honey, can you do this for me? And, you know. A whole day goes by and nothing happened. So <laughs> <laughs> building a house is the same kind of thing, right? Like unless you show up and build it, yeah, right? Unless you pay the cost to get all your materials on site. And if you do it within a legal framework and you get a permit, right? Unless you even design the house and engineer it and all these steps, right? And pay all that cost, it will not exist. So that's why it is a store of value because it could take, you know, a year to build a house yeah. from initial conception permits construction right um some sometimes if it's even more complex it could take you know even longer if you're batching them out right then yep. maybe it's shorter but um at the end of the day it's still a big time constraint right yeah you can't just pop them out of thin air like they can the fiat currency yeah but it is so in part it is valuable because of what has gone into it not just the physical components they have value yeah um but also the, the, the labor, and then you could say, I don't know, like the brain power maybe as well. <coughs> Something that's really well designed could be worth more. And the only difference there is in the design, right? But that's, that is somebody's labor uh, as well that's gone into it. And it actually stores value. Yeah. Which, um, yeah, we call money essentially. But yeah, it's a way of storing your, uh, your labor is another way to look at it too, right? It's a store of uh, that labor that went into it is now captured in um, in the value. 
So there's a monetary yeah. Yeah, number to that. Yeah. So that's a little bit abstract. <laughs> so a house is a thing made of stuff. All right. <laughs> Why that is also important is because, uh, like, we could talk about housing starts, right? Yeah. So the supply and demand of these things, right? Yeah, supply and demand. That's a that's a huge basic concept, economic concept. But yeah. What is it's the a big concept one. of supply and demand? Is that like what grade do they teach that in? Uh, I mean, grade 12, maybe. <laughs> Shoot, I didn't make it that far. <laughs> it should be, uh, I mean, it's more basic if you think of a lemonade stand, right? You know, kids make a lemonade stand and they're going to price it. Like you can't price it at 40 bucks a cup. Kids figure that out because nobody's going to buy it, yeah. right? There is There is demand, but not at that price because yeah. there is other supply that they can go to the store and buy some lemonade or buy powder to make lemonade that supply is cheaper so that the you know you have to price accordingly to the uh, to the demand and if there's a lot you know if nobody else ever made lemonade then it might be worth 40 bucks a cup because you could never get that except at this one kid's house but yeah that's not the case and so yeah the same applies with housing right yeah and um and in housing the supply is building housing construction yeah well and the existing housing stock as well yeah so some maybe some houses uh, exist and are being improved upon so there could be new housing uh units inside the existing housing yeah which is kind of what we like to do but there's new building all the time yeah um so there is supply and then if you look at it um, from, you know, okay, well, people eventually sometimes they move or they pass away or uh, they downsize or whatever, right? Yeah. And now the existing housing can um, come on the market again. So that would be like also housing supply. Yeah, that specific type of housing. Because yeah. in the case of somebody um, downsizing, they're looking for a different type of housing. So then that's almost its own yeah. little market, right? So when you're looking at real estate as an investment vehicle, got to consider how many houses are being constructed in this area and yeah. how many houses will be constructed in this area for years to come. And will that supply meet the demand or will it exceed the demand or will it fall short of the demand? Right. And that's an, a very important calculation to make. And you can kind of do a snapshot in time and say, okay, well, where is um, demand now and where is supply now? Okay, that that makes it uh, a lot of sense for us to invest right now because, um, you know, there's a way more people who really want a house than there is houses. Yeah. So maybe it's a smart thing to own the house because there's obviously demand for it, so the value will go up. But you have to look at over time. Yes. What happens. And also, what are the alternatives? Right. Because we speak of housing as sort of this monolith, but you know, if you're looking at investing, you're only buying one generally one type of housing. So maybe that's single family housing. That's usually what we think about when we talk about the housing market, like single family homes. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there, there are apartment buildings as well, right? Which could be an alternative for if somebody can't afford a um, either to buy or rent a single family home, they have the option of going to an apartment building, for example. Yeah. Right? Or, uh, I don't know, a trailer park or... <laughs> Well, or renting rooms yeah, as opposed to renting options. a whole place, right? So you have to consider like what are the, al what's the alternative supply? Yeah. And 
when we're looking at housing in Canada and even, you know, especially in GTA, there's not really much um, in the way of alternatives. Yeah. Right? Nobody's building new apartment buildings. It's just it's, cost prohibitive to do that. Well, yeah, like purpose-built rentals, that has, has decreased so drastically. Yeah. Um, like everybody is focusing on condos. Yeah. Which, right? So that it used to be you would build an apartment building to rent it out. But now it's just, it's, that's the only thing anybody builds really um, is condos, which are to be sold, not to be, I mean, they, eventually they get yeah. rented, but the initial use is uh, to be sold. And then same with, uh, with, with single family homes, right? It's all to be sold. So there's not really a lot of alternatives. Um, yeah. At least in our market, different places, yes, but not uh, not here. Yeah, in so, Canada. And I think it's important to consider this factor, like the housing supply, so the new creation of housing units, um, in light of uh, like a long span of time, right? So zoom out and say, okay, how many houses can we produce? Yeah, and how many houses have we realistically been producing over the last? you know, 50 years, 30 years, 10 years, you know, what is the trend there? Are we getting better at building housing? Are we getting faster? Are we, is it <laughs> right? Like, yeah. are we building more units? Um, or is it slowing down and how do you project that forward? Right. Um, because that's going to have a huge impact on that supply demand, um, ratio. Yeah. Right. And the val underlying value. So if you're going to be making an investment decision, you want to know, okay, um, hopefully the supply is somewhat constrained. Yeah. Right. Cause that way the value will go up if the demand's there. Yeah. And that, that's important because to note about the time frame because there are variations, right. In, you know, the space of a year or two, things can really change yeah. or over five years. But once you go 10, 20 and years. And that gets us into the next thing, which is the house is a thing made of stuff in a place governed by the man. The man. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it could be a woman too yeah, but i think be. we have in this country a man yeah um but the house if you're buying a house or an investment property it is in a place yeah and that is like geographically determined right it's yep. in a city you can't move it unless if you can actually give me a call because um, well, if you got a trailer, you can move it. Yeah, if you have a trailer. But if you buy the land and you have improvements on the land. Yes, yeah, you're not moving that. Not usually very cost-effective to move that. Yeah. But if you do know a solution, give us a call. <laughs> so you're talking about, okay, a geographic location. Are you talking primarily about land? Yeah, land and uh, everything that, that goes affect with, that yeah, land. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah whether that's taxes, government policies, could be subsidies or rebates, it could be um, any of the surrounding amenities or risks associated with owning land in that spot, right? So if you're buying an investment property and you're doing so because you anticipate that that property is gonna go up in value, the house is the one component, right? Yep. The thing made of stuff, but the place and the land is the underlying um, asset that they're ultimately not making more land, right? Um, so what all impacts that and how will those trends pan out over time? Yeah. That's what you got to ask yourself. Yeah. And yeah, so that's an interesting one because 
Yeah, you say they're not making any more land, and then people will like laugh at that because they're like, "Look, we're in Canada, we're one of the biggest geographic nations, like yeah. nations in the world, land mass." Um, land but it's area. like, well, we're like, yeah, we have a lot of land. How much of that is usable? I mean, technically, it's all usable, but how much of it is feasible to actually develop? Right? I can't yeah. go by a patch of land in Northern Ontario and then build a whole bunch of homes and like, who's going to, A, the, the cost, the service, it would be astronomical. Yeah. So you got to be close to existing development, right? Yeah. Um, in order to, to, to do that. So people say like, oh yeah, they're not making any more whatever land. There's lots of land. Like there's not lots of land that you can develop. Yeah. Right, where in Canada, what is it like? Eighty percent of the population lives within a hundred kilometers of the U.S. Yeah, border. Stones throw away. Yeah, I mean a small stone, I guess. Depends how far you can throw. <laughs> um, Have you seen Mark's pipes? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so geographic is is important uh, when you're or ge geographic geography is important. Geography, and then the geographic. things that surround that, right? Like you said, the the government. Yeah. That's there and policies that exist, taxation, all these things are important to consider. Yeah. Um, and they, they represent risks as well, right? So if we look at um, whether or not it's a good idea to buy real estate as an investment as compared to some other things, um, real estate kind of like a sitting duck, right? Like you own this house on this land. Yeah, that's valuable, but um, you know, you're not technically the owner, right? Like the government of the country um, has a lot of power over your land and, um, what can be done on it. Right. So yeah. we've talked in the past about zoning, right? So they can make a policy that you have very, very little control over or say, right. Maybe through a public consultation, you can put your hand up and say, yeah. I don't think that's a good idea, but yeah, whatever they do, they do. Right. Um, and then you have to deal with the consequences of that. So when we zoom out over time, you want to make sure you're looking at um, what are the trends in these policies or what, it, what which way is the government kind of looking on this? Um, you know, do you expect them to pivot from, um, you know, being favorable towards development to mm -hmm. being totally against it? Right. Because that could have a huge impact on the value of your land. Yeah. And I mean, that's. People do, we talked about this before, how people instinctively can buy, like gravitate towards real estate because they know like, yeah, it's a good investment without looking at all the, the sort of the macro um, features of it. But the, for, by the same uh, reasoning, people will feel pretty comfortable buying real estate in Canada and the United States because there's a long history of entrenched property laws, right? Yeah. Um, that the government basically As exists to maybe some other yeah the government exists volatile. to enforce your rights around personal property right that's a like a very it's a western i mean it's it's through the world but that was developed sort of as a western concept um and you, you know you can go back to like the reformation and uh, how that sort of affected how we think about personal property rights and individual rights and then how that you know sort of changed or became enshrined through the enlightenment period and all this stuff. But the point is in Western 
governments, generally speaking, there's a very strong history of property rights, which, yeah, you don't get everywhere else. Yeah. But that's why people, yeah, I'll invest in Canada, sure. Or I'll invest in even foreign um, people from around the world will invest in Canada and the United States because it's pretty reasonable to assume that if you buy a piece of land, piece of property with a house or without, that you will have control over that asset for the foreseeable for a long time. Yeah. Right? Barring like a government expropriation or something. Yeah. But even in that case, you're generally compensated for it. Um, whereas, you know, would I want to go buy a property in China? Like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> What's the chances that they, uh, you know, they take it away from me or like Latin America where they could just yeah. nationalize it because they have some kind of program, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And all in through Russia too, right? Um, sending people to the labor camps just because they were landowners. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, uh, that's a good example. I met someone recently whose grandmother was uh, taken to, uh, uh, I don't know if it was a labor camp, it was a camp, but just because they owned a farm. Yeah. Right? And this is not that long ago. Like, it's the person's grandmother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, within living memory. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's not uh, something that we kind of anticipate here in Canada necessarily. And it's not certainly within our historical framework. Like, no. it's not in people's conscious. Like, oh man, what if the government would just take all yeah. this stuff, right? But it has happened in multiple places in the world all throughout history. Yep. So that is something to be aware of, right? There's always a risk, um, and obviously you want to mitigate that risk by investing in a place that is, you know, pro property rights, like you said. Yeah. Canada and the but, US. But yeah, but what are the? Again, you you taking a broader view. Right. Okay. So we know the government is going to protect my rights, but they also have the right to tax. Yeah. What are they going to do with those policies like taxation, where you look at Markham, for example, and property taxes are going to go up 93% in the next four years. Right. Hamilton, I think we're looking at a, what, a 14% 14, yeah. increase, which is pretty That's uh, why pretty I said crazy. we're sitting ducks, right? Yeah. You yeah. own the so land. What, yeah. The property tax goes up. So yeah. that affects your investment and the value of your investment over time yeah not good so you have to have but. like that sort of wide view with all these things in the picture right what could happen whereas if you just say like yeah real estate's a good investment it goes up in value okay but there's a lot of other forces at play right yeah. so um that's a house and a thing in a place <laughs> <laughs> a house is a thing made of stuff in a place governed by the man bought with money and we love this one I shouldn't even say money. Like it's bought with what? It's bought with money printed out of thin air. Uh, yes. That's in uh, simple terms. Printed out of thin air. <laughs> um, that gets into the economic conditions, right? Um, because if you're going to buy a house as an investment property, you, you need to have something to trade for. You need to have money. Yeah. Or you need to borrow money. So you ultimately make this investment within the context of an economic reality. Yeah. So you better understand that context pretty good and the dynamics and the forces that play within that, right? Yeah. In order to make a wise investment decision. We have to pause for a minute. Okay. 25 minutes. Uh, no, my battery is... Uh... Okay. Oh, okay. That's back there. Um, okay. So hopefully you did make some note at 25 minutes to edit this out. <laughs> <laughs>
what you're were saying, we just talking about? The the economics. So oh, you're yeah. gonna we live in an economic reality, yeah. and we have forces at play that. Uh, what do they do, Brent? Don't keep us in suspense. What was I saying? Uh, so we live in an, an economic reality. Some would say it's maybe not even reality, <laughs> depending <laughs> on how you look at our money system. But yeah, that affects how how we can actually uh, purchase real estate, right? You said it's yes. Yeah, so you want to get a loan. Um, Sometimes I would like to get a loan. Yeah. Just away from the kids, away from everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you're talking about? Not that kind of okay. loan. Right. You loan. do that in the loan. basement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. So you live in this economic reality. And when I say that, I mean, you have to deal with money. And right now, our money, like we've talked about in the past, is based on government decree. Nothing. Yeah. Printed out of thin air. So that is very, very, very important because it has a big impact on the value of your investment because the investment itself, the property itself is denominated in the money. Yes. Right? So you're ultimately trying to increase the number of monies, units, yeah. value. Yeah. So yeah, getting back to that simple view, like, yeah, it's, it's going to go up in value and it'll provide cash flow. All that value and that cash flow is all in dollars. Yeah. Denominated so, in dollars. Don't, yeah. Denominated in dollars and how, what determines what those dollars are worth Yeah, is the question, right? Because if you just say, oh, I made a million dollars, that may sound really good, but if a million dollars only buys you... You know, a cup of coffee. A cup of coffee. Well, great. Right? So where are those trends headed? And how can you uh, stay on top of that and mm -hmm. know and then anticipate and uh, react? That's and a having, really vague way of saying you should do it, everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, but having a, a bit of a broader view and more a historical uh, time or uh, framework as well is important because... You know, you're saying, okay, what is the dollar worth? Like, it's it's worth what it's worth. What are you talking about, Brent, right? Yeah. A million dollars for a cup of coffee, that can't happen. But we've seen where it has happened repeatedly yeah. in history. Uh, it's like Germany. You, yeah, yeah, Weimar Germany is the one that people quote most often, yeah. right? Hyperinflation. Um, but we have examples of that uh, in recent history as well, right? So Latin America is sort of the favorite punching bag of... Um, <laughs> Uh, of me. No, I have a lot of people when it comes to um, looking at hyperinflation yeah. and examples, but you've had it in many, many Latin American countries when they were, well, when they had bad economic policies, right? Yeah. So you've seen it like Chile uh, was an example in the 70s and 80s. You've had Argentina multiple times, yeah. Brazil, right? And these are like not small, like Brazil is not a small economy. Yeah. I can't count them on one hand anymore. So <laughs> that's because you only have three fingers, Brent. <laughs> Many workplace accidents. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding, folks. He has all five, uh, all five fingers. Um, but yeah, there's so many. Ex well, and, and we've even seen in Europe, right? In Portugal and Italy and Greece. <laughs> Uh, hyperinflation yeah. and, and so many other examples. And there's also been not necessarily hyperinflation, but other scares, right? So yeah. um, like uh, banks failing, for example, right? Recently in the States. Yeah. So what may, uh, while it may not be like absolute devastation and everybody can't afford to eat while 
you know, there's still signs of cracks and weakening in the system. And, um, yeah. yeah, that when that happens, you might be like the media might be able to brush it under the rug, but as an investor, you should be thinking to yourself, okay, if that happened, what is the consequence of that? And why did that happen? And, and what, what can be done about it? Well, nothing can be done with it. Okay. Uh, well, how should I structure my endeavors in light of that? Yeah, it's, that was a real concern for us moving money into the United States into a regional bank. <laughs> and like, <laughs> as far as I could tell, the bank was safe, but I'm like, you know, the, yeah, this you regional know. banks have been sort of failing in the States and, um, is my money going to be safe there? Right. Yeah. Um, like that's one, and that's just, that's a crazy concern. Oh, it'll be safe there, but you can't get it back out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's another concern, right? Yeah. Looking at our, and this is why it's important to understand how our system works, how the banking system works, right? If you're ready to, you know, I'm going to buy a house when everything crashes. Yeah. Okay. I hope you have. Me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, when everything crashes, Credit's not going to be available. Yeah. So if I you're planning you on big stuff. Borrow- <laughs> well, if you're planning on borrowing money, you're probably not going to be able to, or it's going to be a super high cost of borrowing to the point where it's not, yeah. it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So you should have your house, your investment property before then. Yeah. If you say, I'm going to buy in cash, well, if there's some kind of major um, credit event, like what happens to the value of your cash? Yeah. Is there going to be inflation accompanying that yeah oh and you say you should have your house before then and the the value that that goes into um how the value can increase over time right if you have your house already um and these the money is being debased over time and then something happens well you can ride it out because you have an asset yeah and um presumably because everyone needs a place to live right Uh, and that's the next thing on our list which maybe we can jump in. We can come back to this later, but everybody needs a place to live, right? So a house is a thing made of stuff in a place governed by the man, bought with money, printed out of thin air, lived in by people. Yeah. And that's an interesting one because on the one hand, the house is lived in by people in the sense that, um, you can charge money for it. It is a space that like, it's almost like, uh, like what you do with Airbnbs, uh, with rentals, um, it's a commodity. It's like, Hey, I need a, a rental unit, but it's also a necessity, right? Cause everybody yeah. basically needs a place to live. It's a shelter, right? It's a need. So it's almost, um, we talked about this, right? Like everybody needs a place to live. Yeah. So go find, it's like musical chairs, right? Okay. <laughs> you all need a place to live. Now go find one. And the music stops now. And then mm. oh, you're not in a house. Um, yeah. Well, how much are you willing to pay for that guy's house? <laughs> and thus begins the real estate market, right? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and um, <laughs> I never thought about it like that until now, actually. Oh, there you go. It's like a game, big game of musical chairs. Yeah. And it, this is where it can get politicized a little bit because it's, it is a need. Everybody needs it. So then some people equate that with a right. Yeah. That everybody's a right to housing. Um, and you know, we don't need to maybe debate that here, but again, you, you're looking at, we'll debate it here, but not now. Okay. (laughs) Not here and now just here. Um, (laughs) but if you're looking at macro trends, again, this is something where you need to have a wider view of, uh, even the political climate around housing, 
Right. And a lot of folks that I've talked to recently are, are saying like Ontario specifically uh, is not a good climate to buy housing, to be a landlord in for a number of factors. Right. But you have to sort of start from the from that big view and then work your way in. Like, what are the factors that would make it good, right? So you talk about like uh, landlord tenant relations, the political yeah. climate, the rules. We talked talk about, about government. People, people are fickle. People are sinful. People are weak. People are self-serving, right? They yeah. want to have the rights, like you said. They want. They are entitled. I want this house. I should have a right to this house, right? It's it's me, me, me. So and then you're dealing with people too and everyone has their own preferences right so then you can get into like which particular house is more valuable because that person or this group of people this cohort desires that house or that kind of living arrangement better we talked about uh, condos apartments yeah right so there's a certain sector of the market of people that like to live in apartments or can only afford apartments or need to be in this area for this amount of time and they want to live in an apartment for that right and then there's another sector who's like no i'm living in this kind of housing because right so then the market segments start to form yeah and uh this is basically talking about supply and demand again but this is the not the supply side it's the demand the demand side, side right? yeah so if you have this valuable asset this real estate um we talked about the supply already now the people are the demand and is that going up over time or down or is it staying the same and what do you want it to do as a real estate investor yeah and then that'll inform like what kind of real estate you're buying exactly because you can there can be a lot of demand but if you buy the wrong thing and there's no demand for it well that's just useless right yeah that's not helping uh either people looking for it or you as an investor (laughs) (laughs) um so you talk about demand right so (laughs) then you you're kind of looking at demographics so again it's wider population trends um not just like yep it's a city and there's people who live here yeah like yeah that's one way to look at it but like are people going to continue to live here are people gonna are more people going to live here yeah um so you would look at things like household formations right yeah we know that millennials um are starting to form Households now more like on an increasing basis. Believe it or not. Yeah, believe it or not, it's actually happening. Wow. (laughs) Right. So there's. I think I'm a millennial. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you're sort of an an exception in that you've done that household formation early, right? We have much. Well, that's but that's another thing to look at. When do our households being formed? Right. Later and later. Right. Um, and a household aging. formation is important because that means another household, another dwelling unit, and like, you know, another household needs to be built or come on the market or be yep. created in some manner. Otherwise, these households are living with their parents. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, where, you know, what are their alternatives? Like, typically the... When you formed a household, you went and you bought a house. Yeah. And it might not be like a single family detached, but some kind of, not an apartment. Yeah. Basically, right? Because if you're, if there are children coming into the picture and a dog, maybe you're not going to live in a one bedroom condo. Yeah. Now you need something, maybe you need a bigger condo or more likely, you know, detached home was the traditional way that people do that. But so that's, that's one of the demographic trends, right? The, the one that was really important for us more so than anything else demographically is immigration, right? That's been a constant source 
of population um, growth of population growth and pressure on the housing market for you know in the 2000s anyways we'll say like it's it's been the story of canada but looking at the recent past there's always been a steady stream but that's just like ratcheted up tenfold in the last um uh, maybe fivefold, let's say, in yeah. the last uh, few years, right? With these crazy population targets that the government set, yeah, and uh, and the numbers that are that are coming in. So that's both regular immigrants, regular like immigrants who are coming here to live, yeah, and might bring their family. Um, so that could be economic immigrants, refugees who are being let in, um, and then students. Right, we've we've talked about this a few times, but yeah, students is like a huge, and they need a place to live. They need a place to live. They may not be here forever. So that's like Mark. That's like the tap, like the government. Yeah, we're talking about the geography. The government is just turning on the tap, and in comes all this population growth. Yeah, and then what's the tr- so what's the macro trend on that? As an investor, you want to ask yourself: Okay, if I zoom out twenty years, will that continue? Will it increase? Will it decrease? Right? Yeah. And then when that tap or that flow of people comes in, where do they go? And I think most importantly is why, right? Because when you're buying a real estate investment property, you can't just buy, for example, Hamilton, right? It's not like, well, Hamilton's good. I'll just buy Hamilton, right? Some people do. Some people do. But most people, I think most people listening to this podcast (laughs) are buying a particular property in a specific neighborhood inside of one pocket of one area right like yeah it's so specific it's that right it's just you have how many blades of grass on your property how many windows are in your house right yeah so when you think about it if you're going to buy that particular piece of real estate why would someone want to live in it yeah right and so you have this flow this tap of immigration coming into the country and and then plus the births which are kind of going the other way but yeah. um and then you have in migration within the country in the city right yeah but why are people living in your house right and looking at those trends so that means you have to look at um like jobs so maybe they live in your house because there's a job close by yeah that's a good paying job that they're skilled enough to do and maybe it pays them enough money to want to live in this particular house right yeah. maybe it's transit development or, and then you get into kind of that scale of trends. Yeah, now you're drilling down a lot further. <clears throat> yeah. But you got to start from the top. It's still it's still a bigger long-term perspective, but you're looking at, okay, is there economic growth? Meaning, is there job growth in yeah. this area, right? Maybe within a certain radius. Is that job growth going to be sustained for years to come? Is it kind of stagnating? Is it like a one-industry town or, um, you know, that's subject to boom and bust cycles. Yeah. Or is it, uh, you know, on a major transit line or is it going to be, right? Yeah. So that's a huge way to look at the trends and say, look, okay, if there is this population growth in this area and sustained, and now the municipality's like, hey, you know, we should connect with that guy. And the province comes in and says, all right, new plan we're just putting in this big railroad and you know, now we have service for everybody to go from here to here. And, but if you're a real estate investor and you're looking at buying and increasing your value over time, which is what we are doing, yep. then you want to know that and look at it. Yeah. And if you can get ahead of the trends, mm-hmm. right, that's a little bit riskier, I guess, than just buying somewhere that's proven. 
But if you know that, for example, that, you know, there's a new rail line going to Niagara Falls or something, well, okay, maybe I'm going to look there now before everybody else. Uh, too late for that, guys. But um, those <laughs> Mark kinds already of... bought Niagara Falls. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing. <laughs> um, but no, like, it, because the general population may not be paying attention to, like, yep, new rail development. Like, whatever, I don't care. I don't use the train. But if you're a real estate investor, you'd be like, whoa, they're doing a new rail line over there. Yeah. That is, okay, that means people who live there can get to Toronto in an hour, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, all of a sudden that, that could spur massive new growth. Yeah. So that all relates to the fact that the houses are lived in by people and those people have a reason to live in those houses, right? And that reason is governed by all these different kind of overarching categories yeah and all of them i think we just listed two right we listed economic like jobs and we listed transit <laughs> there's got to be more they're just that bumping into my head right now <laughs> yeah, well yeah on the demand side you mean with people yeah yeah well um yeah you have well immigration right and students so students was another one right yeah. which is not really like that wasn't expected yeah this is like i certainly didn't expect um, what's happened with uh, with student immigration into Canada and how that's it's really a, a pathway to citizenship now. It's not just students are going to study here and then leave. We've always had that, but you know how it's how it's just skyrocketed and what that's done to housing in the cities that have students. Where you're in non-traditional student areas, you're getting students looking for housing. Yeah. So that expands your possibilities as an investor as well, right? Yeah. And then just the incredible pressure that's putting on, um, <coughs> on everybody. Yeah. And and ref even refugees. So like one example in Hamilton, anyways, where you see a lot more homeless people out there. Is because there's a lot more homeless people. Um, but <laughs> How <laughs> yeah. profound. Yeah, it's very profound. <laughs> you see them. No, but there's <laughs> unintended, con like every government policy yeah, has unintended sign. consequences, right? So one thing we've seen is that there's less availability of shelter and services to homeless people because refugees and like families of refugees are now occupying homeless shelters because they have nowhere to go because... Again, massive immigration, right, has been... Uh, yeah. Um, so, you know, what happens is that means somebody who is homeless and maybe had mental health or addiction issues before um, can't get access to those services anymore that he would have gotten at the shelter because now somebody said, look, we have a family and we don't want them on the street. We're going to put them in the shelter. Um, you know, just this is a small example of those sort of unintended consequences that... Uh, yeah. You have to kind of We don't live in a perfect world. <laughs> no, but when you're looking at government policies, it's like, well, which way are the dominoes going to go? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, just a couple other factors. Um, quality of life is a big one, right? Yeah. The why. So, because some people um, might choose to live in the cheapest place because they want to save the most money and they're willing to endure, you know, the worst quality of life and suffering to get to somewhere, right? Yeah. They're driven by that. Other people, it's like, I want a pool. I want a nice view. I want a very beautiful, quiet, you know, safe place to live. Um, so my quality of life, I'm willing to pay more to have that, <coughs> right? So that will affect the value of your real estate. Yeah. If you're going out to make an investment decision and you're going to purchase a piece of land and you want to know 
Um, will this be uh, more valuable in the future? Well, if the land or if the area is not as safe or if it's um, if like, for example, the crime rate is increasing and you've noticed, hey, you know, this area seems to and I think that's a mistake some investors make. Right. They buy in an area where the numbers kind of work. Yeah. But if you actually take a step back and look there's a reason why that house is cheap is because you know what it's not a very safe area <laughs> and not too many people want to live there because they put their children's lives at risk or whatever their lives yeah. at risk so that uh that doesn't quickly change right sometimes maybe a, a government program or something can come in and say all right this area we're going to focus on uh, gentrification. We're going to totally invest in this area yeah. and then things can turn, turn around. But generally speaking, that happens organically and um, it doesn't happen overnight. Right. So it's going to have a long term impact on the value of your real estate and areas that are more desirable, like, you know, will continue to be desirable. Hopefully. Hopefully. But yeah, you have to. So I heard an interesting example of this um, the other day. Um, it was just, yeah, New York in the 70s and 80s, right, was not a great place, especially depending on where in New York you were. Yeah. So there was, a, you know, a lot of abandoned buildings. And uh, one of the examples was how um, uh, right next to Grand Central Station, there was uh, this old hotel that had been abandoned and people were squatting in it and stuff. But someone had, the, um, you know, a vision of what this could be. And it was like, you know, a derelict building. The area wasn't great, but it was right next to Grand Central Station. Yeah. And there's a possibility for New York to be on the upswing. So he bought this place, um, you know, poured a whole bunch of money into it, got loans, built a, like a nice hotel there. And then also secured a whole bunch of tax breaks from the, uh, from the city. And, you know, maybe this isn't a macro thing, but eventually that... Um, Oh yeah, Let's switch switch the camera there. Good call. Um, you know, became very successful, uh, a very successful hotel, and like the area increased in value, massively, wildly successful investment. Which also apparently, the tax breaks were worth something like you got like a forty-year tax-free thing because it was such a bad area, um, which would have netted the city I think four hundred million dollars in revenue wow. over that time, and um, so that was just like. Like, wow, what, you know, sometimes you look at the trends, but then you're still taking a risk because the trend could go this way yeah. or it could go that way. And you said he got tax incentives. So that's, uh, that just took all the risk out. Yeah, I think. exactly. So that is a way of the government kind of improving the city. Um, and you know, you offer this tax incentive. Okay. There's no more risk here. Um, you know, now my costs, uh, that I anticipated are going to be a lot lower. So the investment makes more sense. Yeah. Okay. I'll do this. Right. Yeah. But also just general trends of, you know, what's happening with New York and, yeah. uh, yeah. So that was Donald Trump, by the way, just in case anybody's <laughs> <laughs> listening, I'm not extolling his, uh, his virtues or making any calls, but, um, I just thought it was a really interesting example of, uh, looking at trends, making a bet and then, uh, you know, yeah. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. In that case, he, uh, he won um, prime, prime New York real estate. But you could, you know, do the same thing. Um, now you kind of look at all the trends. So you're looking at supply and demand. You look at economic conditions. And then uh, and, th and I think that's why, you know, for us looking at southern Ontario right now, it's a tough 
environment to invest in because of interest rates and everything else. But when you zoom out and you look at the trends, like how? Yeah. Well, yeah, because when you zoom in to the extent that I'm making a transaction on a piece of real estate, I'm going to buy that. Why? Why would I buy that? Like, it's so expensive and you know, my mortgage is going to be this. And is that going to make sense? Right. And you're on that level. Like if you're on that, um, if, if that's all you're looking at, right. Um, it doesn't necessarily make sense. No. But if you zoom out now, all of a sudden, Oh man, is this going to get any better? Is it going to get any worse? Yeah. Right. Is the money going to go down in value or is it going to go up in value? Is the uh, immigration going to continue and there'll be less supply and more demand or, you know, is it going to flip the other way around? There's no more immigrants and we're just going to build a ton of houses. Yeah. Yeah. Is that realistic or not? Well, yeah, exactly. What what could possibly happen? We look at housing starts. We know that they're decreasing um, because a lot of it because of the current economic conditions, interest rates and so forth. So there's housing starts that are happening, but that's like that shovel in the ground. So they've already been planned and they're already yeah. going ahead. But you know, if you look new at the permits. actual, yeah, new permits are just like way down being destroyed. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> the permits aren't being destroyed. The number is uh, dropping precipitously, put it that yeah. way. So I think, yeah, for Southern Ontario, some tough times now, um, but instead of trying to time the market and buy at the absolute best time, like you, you almost never, you, you'll never invest then if you do that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the base case, still massive increases in population. Um, the money, the money is the money. And we know that because we talked about this. the money, the money though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is for now, right? It is whatever they say it is. Yeah. And that's the current <laughs> state of affairs and that's going to continue. Inflation yeah. is going to continue. Yeah. We've seen how inflation continues to, uh, continues to roar. And as we've talked about, inflation is the money supply inflating, which means assets generally are going to increase in price as well. Yeah. Um, so if you're buying a home or if you have a home, um, you know, if you don't need to sell it, don't, because that's going to go up in value more than likely. Yeah. So a house is a thing made of stuff governed by the man, bought with money, printed out of thin air, lived in by people who likely immigrated here and will continue to immigrate here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this will be Brent Vanderwood's latest book <laughs> release. So you look forward to that uh, uh, at all your major retailers. Hopefully that gives people <laughs> a little bit of a very profound framework on how to analyze an investment property. <laughs> yeah? I hope so. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for listening to that, folks. Um, as always, if you have questions contact us at uh, info at no, two, no? It's hello at two oh. stewards okay but, i don't uh, know hello I, I, at two stewards ca i do the intro so <laughs> i got this down pat hello at two stewards ca that's t-w-o stewards ca <laughs> thanks for listening folks and uh, until next time steward your wealth wisely thanks for listening to this episode of the two stewards show if you like my voice better click subscribe And if you like my voice better, click share. If you like both, give us a five-star rating. To interact with the show, feel free to reach out at hello at twostewards.ca. We'll see you in the next episode. In the meantime, steward your wealth wisely.